Hi there, Coach Paula here. I know you're getting a lot from season one of Make Him Wonder, and I want you to get even more in season two. Go now to the 8020 Wonder Club and become a member. The 8020 Wonder Club is a membership club where you'll get all the new episodes of season two the moment they come out. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. That's the 8020wonder.club. Make this your year to be consistently mindful of what it takes for a relationship to go the distance. Go to the 8020wonder.club and I'll see you in the clubhouse. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real-life relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Thanks for joining us today on the Make Him Wonder podcast. I'm your host, Coach Paula. As you know, I'm a dating and relationship coach. I'm a licensed social worker and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. Each episode, I talk with one real live woman with a real life relationship problem or concern or question. In real time, meaning that whatever she is going through, she's going through it right now. And, you know, it's funny, I had uh, some questions the other day about, well, do you know the women that you talk to? And actually, unless um, we talk about it, that we work together and know each other, most of the time I do not. And today's guest, I do not, as the first time we're talking uh, to her. And today's guest is 40-year-old Stephanie, who is in a relationship with Mike, who is 52. And Stephanie and Mike have been living together for seven years. And Stephanie wants to know if there's any hope for a future that involves marriage. Great question. Love this. And that's why I was excited to talk to Stephanie today. So welcome, Stephanie. How are Hi, you? Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, Paula. I'm glad to be Hi. here. I love it. You've got the energy of a Southern California girl, so I love it. Oh, lots of sunshine. Yes. <laughs> keeps you on, on my toes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'm the New York girl going to be bringing you the clouds. <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. No, bring it on. We need it. We need the reality here. <laughs> right? Yin and yang. Sun and rain. Yes, always, right? But But I love it because life is really led mostly in a bit of the clouds, meaning, you know, not every day is a, is a bright, bright day of sunshine, and not every day is a dull, dull day of all clouds. It's just a little bit light clouds. That's your daily life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into it. I want to hear about, um, it, well, let me ask you this first. Have you... Um, uh, how do you know me, Stephanie? And like, did you read my book? How did you come across me? I was added to your Facebook group, Wonder ah, Women. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Great. So 
so cool. So have have you read my book? No, I haven't, but I've read through a lot of your comments, and being that you're a licensed social worker, I think that gives you a really comprehensive knowledge of psychology and the way that people's experiences um, have shaped their mm. personalities and their behaviors. And I find that a lot of relationship coach coaches lack that education, and I think that's really important in understanding um, the nuances of a relationship um, because of the individual personalities and experiences. That's why I think, you know, black and white coaching style not, is not necessarily the way to go, and I think because of your experience and education, I think that's why um, it just made sense for me to reach out, and I don't know, it just made sense. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, I have to say, um, I really do appreciate that. And, and I find it to be true because, um, I, you know, have spent a lot of time, nearly 20 years in, um, dealing with people in social work. Prior to that, I was in show business, believe it or not. Um, so I have a wide range of, um, of experiences um, with, with a lot of different personality types mm-hmm. and in dealing in relationships, not, not to mention my own and those close to me. So, um, it does require, uh, all this through coaching and I am in full disclosure, a rules coach, meaning that I went through the rules training from, um, women in, doing the rules, but I call myself and it's just my own way of categorizing how I work as an 80-20 rules coach. Yeah, meaning 80% 80 um, hardcore rules, so to speak, and 20% not. Because, um, like, like we're talking about, life really is lived in the gray, and I do a lot of work with each particular client around... um, around the particulars of that relationship because each relationship I feel has its own fingerprint in a way that's completely unique to that relationship. And there's not a one size fits all. Um, while it's helpful to kind of frame it within a rules um, relationship because the rules really do work, there still has to be um, space for our own particular um, unique fingerprints. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today with you and Mike, because seven years living together, I want to hear about that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, um, I met him at work and, Mm -hmm. um, it all, and I am very familiar with the rules. My father, in fact, gave me that book when I was um, a young teenager. And wow, yeah, I kind of, you know, it was, you know, I kind of poo-pooed it at first, and then I, as I went on in my relationship life and my early adulthood, I realized that those you know, rules did work. Like, you know, being uh-huh. the biggest one is never contact men, let them chase you, let them make the date, et cetera, et cetera. You know, don't chit-chat on the phone all, all the time. And uh-huh. um, when I met Mike, um, it pretty much was a rules type of um, early courtship. Um, he made plans in advance. Um, he was very um, 
you know, he paid for everything. Um, he's, you know, he did and still seems to really like me and love me. Um, and he showed that, you know, early interest on and, and he stayed consistent. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time he was living in a house and I was living in an apartment with a roommate and we had been dating for about three months and, um, he had mentioned, you know, would you like to move in? And I said, well, you know, maybe perhaps, and, um, you know, let's play it by ear. You know, I'm looking for a longer term commitment and he seemed open to that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately he made a bad business decision and he lost his house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, it was a, it was a rental, but, um, Unfortunately, he had to find a new place, and um, I, my roommate was moving out at the time, and it probably, I well, it wasn't the best decision, as I can look back, but I offered for him to move into my apartment, and, you know, obviously, he would be paying, you know, he said, he, you know, he would be paying, you know, the bulk of the rent, be paying less than what I was paying with a roommate. So mm-hmm. it was financially, you know, pro- it, was, it was a good financial decision for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, living in Los Angeles, I mean, rent is high here. So, right. um, and because I had been living there for a while, I was under rent control. And it, it was a good financial decision for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good decision for the relationship as I can, right. you know, look back on it. But... But the deed was done and still is done. And um, he um, w- had been working in film business um, prior, uh, years before I had met him. And he had also maintained a, like a small business um, doing the shipping for it and handling the website. Um, but that had also tanked <laughs> at this mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. he had to get back into show business, which is difficult when you haven't been involved for seven years, um, yeah. you know, cause all your networks have gone and moved on and, you know, your skills mm-hmm. have sort of, you know, softened, but he mm-hmm. ended up doing it, um, which I was really surprised because I thought it was just going to turn into just the biggest disaster <laughs> uh-huh. and, and he ended up pulling through and he ended up getting more and more work and, um, you know, just staying really consistent with it. Um, and I, you know, continued to work and, you know, he had mentioned marriage. He's like, you know, I know, you know, you don't want to be, um, you know, living together forever. I, I do want to tell you that you are the one for me and, mm-hmm. you know, I do want to marry you. Um, mm-hmm. and I said, Basically, like, yes, I'm not going to live with you forever, you know, if it, you know, I do, you know, I don't want kids, so there wasn't that timeline involved as far as, like, you know, right, fertility, but, you know, I don't want to be living together, you know, it just wasn't in my cards, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he respected that, and as time went on, 
um, I decided to have a couple of con you know conversations with him about it, and I was very, very, very gentle about it, and I was very, you know, I tried to be very thoughtful in the way that I brought it up in a very non-aggressive manner, mm -hmm. and I just wanted him to know, you know, or just asked him, like, what are your thoughts about that? And mm -hmm. it started to change, like, well, you know, I haven't seen it, you know, um, I just don't think marriage is important as I'm very committed to you and I love you. And I guess I have a lot of issues myself because I have never seen it work out before. And this, I, what year was this in your, in, I in, would say five or six. Okay. So I would years say ago. that. Yeah. A couple of years after that initial conversation of, yes, I want to marry you. And, um, as, and I said, I understood that completely because his background is completely different than mine in okay. so many ways. Um, I come from a two parent home, mm -hmm. um, still married, still living in the same house. Um, mm -hmm. and he is not only from, um, a divorced household, he is also an adoptee, which okay. I do absolutely believe contributes a lot to this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, his parents are both therapists. <laughs> and yes, and so they still maintained a very loving and close relationship mm -hmm. um, with each other, but they still moved on to other partners, etc. But a lot of those partners had passed away. Um, and mm -hmm. one committed suicide. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I completely don't blame him for thinking that way. And I told him that, and I said that I completely, uh, like empathize and I understand, but I don't have that same experience and I don't feel like I should pay for someone else's choices. Okay. Um, and he said that he would be willing to go to therapy, um, which I thought, I thought that was complete, I was completely shocked by that because he is, a, you know, a product of two therapists. Um, and I thought that he might have been a little bit more, uh, you know, d probably doesn't want to be more exposed any more than he possibly has, you know, because mm -hmm. of his, you know, parents, but. Um, I said, okay, um, but I jumped the gun and said, well, you know, the therapist might just look at us both and be like, is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it to get married, Stephanie? And Mike, is it worth it to not get married? You know, because either of you, you know, are going to lose in the situation. And I think that came out of, I think, anger and frustration, you know, and... Um, so let me, let me um, stop you here if I could... Um, so have you been to couples counseling? No. Okay, great. No. Actually, great, great, great. <laughs> in yeah. my book. Great, great, great. I'll tell you why uh, in a second. But um, go ahead and finish. I just needed to know that before you continued on. Where are you guys now? With the now, um, well, he... Um, well, in the relationship, we're great. Like, he just came back um, from 
Um, well, I, I'll go, I'll rewind a couple weeks. He had recently just lost his job. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and he um, doesn't know why. And he decided to go back into, you know, more like entrepreneurial stuff. And he had just uh-huh. gone on like a week, um, you know, uh, sort of like time at like a convention where he could market and stuff like that. And I guess he got to meet a lot of good contacts, et cetera. And Paula, I can't tell you how much he, like, I could tell so much how much, how much he missed me. And, mm-hmm. you know, he comes back and is so, I could see, I don't know, I could, I've been reading a lot about adoptee psychology mm-hmm. and how different their experiences are, um, interacting in the world and relationships, especially. And, um, I, that me being away from him has so much more of an effect on him than Mm -hmm. it does for me because I think of possibly our, our attachment style, Mm -hmm. um, and also just his early experiences with that. I mean, he has a hard time being away from me just on a daily basis. Like if I was going to guess given what you're telling me that he is what's called an anxious attachment yes. style, right? Yes. And yes. that you do, and that you do not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more, I, probably a lot more secure than he is. Exactly. Right. Okay. So what, what do you want now? What, what do like, I want now? I guess if I had to, if I had my magic wand, I, would love for him to be successful in the way that he wants himself to be. And, and what, okay. And, and what about for your relationship? And, and for us, for him to have made the personal changes that he had wanted to, because another thing that he had mentioned with um, being married is that he, number one, had never met the one quote unquote, um, before me and that he had never felt that he had established enough of himself of a career in mm-hmm. order to feel like he's established and secure enough in order to be a good husband and provider. That he's never felt that. Is that he's what he's never saying? felt that? Yeah. Okay. And, and he hasn't. <laughs> okay. Yes, which it can be, you know, a significant, um, a significant part of a man wanting to commit. Because as um, uh, listeners of mine or followers of mine know, that see, women, um, women commit or view commitment as a natural outgrowth of love. Men view commitment as a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's exactly. very different. Yeah, it's a very different way of viewing relationships and why men need to feel achieved enough to take on the responsibility they see commitment as being. So given that, though, I'm going to give you my take on uh, where I see this and how I view this a bit differently than most would view it and give you kind of my uh, analysis of it, if you would, after the 20 minutes that we just spoke, and, and I'll do that when we come right back. Are you a woman looking for commitment from the man you love? 
Take the consumer versus buyer relationship test so you can discover if your man is ready, willing, and able to commit. Go to whywon'thecommit.com and click on Relationship Evaluation. It's fast, free, and you'll get immediate results. Okay, we're back with Stephanie, and um, I was thinking about this uh, over our, our break, Stephanie. It's a, it's a very interesting um, uh, dynamic here, and I love this story because it's complex. And, and the most interesting, of course, are the most complex. And, and what it is that I feel we women all do because we are the connectors, cooperators, and caretakers of the world. Um, I call it my three C's of women. And then there are my three C's of men, which they are um, all about intrinsically challenge, competition, and conquering. Mm -hmm. And so they want to go out in the world and be challenged. They want to compete for the things that they achieve. And they want to conquer those things that they compete for. So it's two very, very, very different things. And what I see here that's different, I wouldn't be telling this to somebody necessarily who's been in a year relationship with someone or even two years with someone. But given that you have been living together for seven years and you say, correct me if I'm wrong, that you would like to be married or you're on the fence about that. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that and I, I do wonder about it, I guess I would like the financial security that it offers me mm-hmm. um, later on down the line, um, and all the legal benefits, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but you know, it's and I, I read this, you know, on on one of your comments that you know marriage isn't necessary, you know, for women to you know love. To bond. But you know, so it's necessary uh, for men. For men, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and I do have seen so many, um, you know, divorces just in my, you know, just friends, et cetera, and just you know, mm-hmm. it's when a relationship, you know, runs its course, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's just harder to get out, and especially with someone who has uh, is just so much more sensitivities to abandonment or what could be perceived as abandonment mm-hmm. and loss. And I mean, those, that is the first thing that he experienced. And okay. Right. So here's, here's the thing that is going to be, there are going to be a number of things that are very vital for you to, um, I think to take away from this discussion, but first and foremost, First and foremost, um, many people have abandonment issues, right? Um, whether it's we're young and our parents divorced very early, um, or, you know, it really doesn't matter at what age, but at certain ages it creates more um, or different issues than at other ages. Um, but there are always some abandonment um, types of issues for children that uh, come from a divorced um, family because children always perceive that they are the cause of the abandonment, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what just happens for children because they don't have the adult perspective that it has nothing to do with them. So, and no matter what they're told, they will believe that it's them because their world is egocentric. And at certain time frames in child development, it's more egocentric. So it's even tougher. But given that he was adopted, you have the double whammy. Mm-hmm. Because many adoptees feel that no matter what, even though their adoption has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with the uh, parents or parent who had to make the tough choice of giving them up for adoption, it has everything to do with their life and usually wanting a better life for their child, so they um, decide to adopt out. Um, but he's got the double whammy of that. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. If you pay deference to that, what happens is that you not only stifle yourself and your possibility of a divine right relationship of complete commitment, financial security, lifelong um, uh, love, and going into the future with someone securely, you also thwart his. And you also thwart his ability to understand that someone does want complete commitment to him and will not have one foot out the door. Many times what we fear, we create. Mm -hmm. Right? So in other words, if he's fearing commitment because the pain and loss of someone in his life or abandonment, so to speak, is what he fears. So he, by not marrying, creates it to an even greater extent. Because you're right, it's much easier to get out of a living situation than it is a marriage. It just is. So it is He's leaving that door open because of the fear and all of these other things like the finances and all of that, because you guys have been together seven years and the most important thing I'm hearing is that he, you did the rules from the beginning. So he's loved you in a way that is profound from the beginning and he's wanted you from the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. And he, uh, the, he really is the most loving man I have ever met. And okay. he, he's really, I mean, he's, he really is. He's just, he's an absolute sweetheart. Great, great. And so it would be someone that you would want to be married to, uh, because um, it is a much more secure way for both of you to go into the future because the way he's, and and what, what I'm hearing is that he started to slip back a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. He started to backtrack from the wanting to marry. And this is what happens for any long-term live-in situation. Now there are always eclipses. We always hear people marrying after 10 years of living together or, some such thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. All of us have heard that because eclipses do happen. Um, But we want to count on the way the um, earth moves around the sun uh, 365 days a year 
and not wait for eclipses because mm-hmm. the more exactly. norm is the way things work. So um, it is of real value for you to think marriage not just for yourself, but for him, because men do much, much better in marriage because they actually work very well within the boundaries of marriage, within the actual commitment whereby they've made a decision because women live via their emotions, men live via their decisions. And what has happened, what I'm hearing in the living situation is that he never made a firm decision that he was going to marry you. And that even though he said you're the one, he did not put his actions after his decisions. No, no. He just keeps saying, well, I'm not opposed to it. And if it's important to you, we can talk about it. It's, you know, just the usual blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and and to be honest, the ambivalence is a turnoff. (laughs) And I told him that. Of course it is. So one thing I'm so glad to hear is that you did not go to counseling together. And here's why. And it's funny because you had mentioned initially, you know, I'm a social worker. And uh, we, you know, while I'm not a clinical social worker that does a therapy or um, counseling in that way, I used to do a lot of supportive counseling of people caring for family members and relationship stuff. Um, because they were spousal uh, things, you know, came up all the time. Here's my take as a dating and relationship coach, meaning I'm all about relationships working. And one of the uh, things that I am not a proponent of, except in various cases that are eclipses, is that two people, a man and a woman, ever go to therapy together. And here's why. Um, we as women are the mechanics of a relationship. What I mean by that, and everybody's probably who knows me has heard me talk about this, but with a real car, we as women, generally speaking, like to see a nice looking car, get in it, turn the key and it runs beautifully. We fill it up with gas every once in a while. And maybe twice a year, we go to the mechanic and change the oil. Other than that, we just want it to work, and we don't need to know how it works. We don't need to understand the moving parts and all about it in order for us to just enjoy the working of it and wanting it to work well. Men, on the other hand, with a real car, they generally like to know how it works. They like to know about the engines and what horsepower it has and the German engineering and whatever it has in it that, um, you know, makes them like to know about it. And if they could and they had the ability, they would get on uh, the floor under, you know, the car in a garage and with their buddies and look up at it and know how the pistons work with the oil going into the engine and this and that and the gas and, and know all about it and understand it. They want to know. In relationships, it's completely the opposite. In other words, we like to get under the hood of relationships <laughs> and talk about them, right? Just totally. as we do here, right? 
just as we're doing right now. We want to uh, know everything we can know and how the engine works and the parts fit together and blah, blah, blah. And the man just wants to look at the pretty relationship, turn the key, sit in the comfortable car, and it goes the distance. Totally. They don't need to know how it works, and they don't want to know how it works because you know why? Just like us under the car, if we were made to get under the real car with our guy, he would want to show us all the different parts and how they work together and try to get us to understand it. And we wouldn't. No. Right? We would not. Not at all. Right. And what would happen is if in order to make that car work, he made us go out twice a week and get under that car once a week for an hour, and he would be showing us what we need to understand and what we need to know in order to make it work, you know what would happen? We would not be interested, and we would probably get just another car. (laughs) There you go. We would hate the car. Totally. It's the car's fault. Let's get rid of it, and I'm going to get a new one. Right. Exactly. 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 That's why I don't like to talk to any about anything to him because I know I could just sense that from men throughout my life is that they they lose interest immediately and it causes That's right. them to yeah and I mean yeah I they'll do it when they love with the car yes when they'll do it when they love us if we insist they go to the counseling they'll go but it's like putting us under the car with two mechanics telling us, now where, where does that piston go? Tell me, where does that go? And no. you don't know, and you don't care, and you're trying to prove it, and all it does is make you feel inadequate and that you want out. Exactly. And this is, this is what counseling does to a man. Worse than that, it's usually in a locked room, with a female counselor usually, and all he feels is cornered that it's his fault and he doesn't know why it's not working. Oh, man. Yeah. It's not good. So I'm very glad that you didn't do that, right? That's great. Yeah. it doesn't work. No. Yeah. Yeah. All it makes is him saying, this isn't, I'm inadequate, it's not going to work. I need to find a way out and I'm going to get a new car. Yep. Okay. So if you want this to work and you want it to work long-term, I am glad you're thinking marriage because other than that, um, live in relationships whereby the woman has no security. No. And in this case, your man not feeling secure in attachment and not feeling or, or I should say feeling that you could walk out at any time doesn't serve him. And it certainly doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve the relationship. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. So it's what, what you do about that. If you agree, correct? Yes. Because you're the mechanic. In other words, the car is off on the side of the road, and right now, it's not 
it's not broken down. All it is right now is that the tire fell off, Mm -hmm. one of the tires, so you can't get on the road. So it's up to it's up to you to put the metaphorical tire on. Just like if you were in a real car on the side of the road, he would put the real tire on the spare. Right? It would be him. Great analogy. Yeah. Right. Now you've got to do it. You've got to put the spare on and get it on the road to marriage so that it works in the best way possible for both. And you can certainly do that. And you can certainly do that, I'm hearing, because of a number of things. You get the efficacy of it. You completely understand why it will bond him to you. And the, the reason why it bonds him for anybody else listening is this. And I got this from a wonderful um, therapist named Bob Grant. I did not understand this until I uh, listened to and read some of Bob's work. And what it is, because I never quite got this, why men were, um, why we know in our society not to date a married man. It's pretty much in our culture that women know don't date a married man because why? He's not going to leave his wife for you, right? No. No. And why is that? Because for women, if she's unha- if a woman is unhappy in a marriage and say it's not a financial thing that she's staying or not because of the children or what have you, if she finds another man and has an affair with him and they fall in love, what will she do? She'll leave leave her husband. Absolutely. Because women relate via their emotions and they commit via their emotions. Why is it then that a man who the same thing, he can leave, he can give his wife a settlement, Um, If it's not about the children, they're completely grown or um, there are no children or whatever. Why is it that he stays and every woman knows don't have an affair with a married man because he won't leave his wife even if he loves you? And this is borne out statistically by 80% of divorces are brought by women and only 3% of married men who ever have affairs will leave their wife for that woman with whom they're having the affair even if they love her. Only 3%. Wow. They're the eclipses. They're the eclipses. And I say it in five little words. Here is the reason why. Men don't leave their team. Uh-huh. When a man joins a team, doesn't even matter even if it's just a sports team he follows, he will never not follow that team. That yep. is his team. And he is committed to that team. And this is what Bob Grant says. When a man decides to make a commitment, it is so huge that he, to live up to being a man, will not renege on that commitment unless forced to. Uh And the only reason it's forced to in our society generally is if he, if his wife has an affair on him, that's 
when he'll say, okay, I've gotten my out to leave the team. Otherwise, no. Wow. I don't, I don't leave just because I don't feel like being on the team anymore. I can't leave just because I don't feel like playing the game or going to the practices. Even if I hate the coach, I can't leave the team. If I leave the team, I'm tantamount to being a female and living by my emotions. And they will not do it. Their biggest chance for growth is via marriage. And sometimes why we say all the good ones are taken. Because we are the mechanics of a relationship and women show men how to behave, to love, to be committed. And it's up to us to really when we find it to be right for ourselves and for that man to pretty much demand marriage for ourselves. And if they want to step up, fantastic. So what do you think? I totally agree. I totally agree. I've seen nothing but good things come from men who got married Yes. Even when they necessarily didn't quite want to, but I've seen it time and time again where they, I, they just grow. They just turn into a yeah. man and they love it. They love what the relationship has inspired them to do. Yes. And yes. I, I have, and, and to be fair, in you know, my relationship, I've seen that happen with my boyfriend. He has right. grown a lot. Because of the relationship, you know, and because of, um, he just really has, he's really changed a a lot. And, but I do agree that marriage would probably make it even more, but, you know, I think the the job thing, I think just really, I think that messes with him on a lot of levels too. Of course it does, but but you here's the here's the one big takeaway from this. When a woman accepts over the long haul the man not achieving to the degree that uh, he feels is right for him, but yet knows is is okay with her, it just allows him to be a laggard personally. Interesting. That's very interesting. And that doesn't inspire him in the way a man needs to be inspired by his woman. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, you really get it. And I think that that is, and and for, for women listening to this that kind of don't, it really is important to understand that um, a man needs to feel that the woman he's going to be uh, taking on in a relationship through, through marriage is someone who's, who's certainly going to stand by him. However, the caveat is she can't just be accepting of his his lagging behind, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If she stays with him, it's kind of like if you marry me, I'm all in 
with helping you out. But I don't, I don't go, I don't stand alongside of a man who's not going to give me what I desire and deserve. And that's my uh, worthy opponent um, concept. And what I mean by that is because everything um, for men is sports. Pretty much sports came from the mind of males. And everything that they uh, do is a la uh, sports uh, related. So what I mean by that is being a worthy opponent is that, and you guys hear me say this all the time, but if LeBron James' team plays a high school football team, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> not football, basketball, plays a high school basketball team, and LeBron James' team, the Lakers, wins, does the win mean anything? No. I'm sorry. No, no, not at no. all. It doesn't mean anything because... Because the high school basketball team, bless their heart, they tried, but they're not a worthy opponent. The no. only worthy opponent for LeBron is Steph Curry, right? Steph Curry's okay. team or James Harden's team. Those are the only worthy opponents. And in life, men desire their women to be that worthy opponent, meaning a pennant or a prize worthy of achieving and having. And if we allow them to get away with, no, you can do what you want, and I don't care or mind, or I'm going to just kind of um, glide on your coattails and accept what is, that's not a worthy opponent to them. No, not at all. And I can, and I can see that, and I've tried really hard to stay away from that mentality. Mm-hmm. But in living together with him exactly. and continuing to accept that, that's really what it is that you're doing. Exactly. It's just enabling it. It is. It is. And so, you know, where does that leave you and what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what are you, what are you prepared to do? And it's not just prepared in terms of there's no ultimatum. There's no, uh, in a, in the sense of, you know, giving that, um, either we get married tomorrow or I'm gone. You know, it's not that, but there is a step-by-step process of, you know, I am going to be making some changes in my life. Uh-huh. And are you prepared to do that? And are you prepared to do it in a way that can give you the final results? Because let's face it, you know, life is not, there's not a for sure in everything. What I'm hearing is that, yes, he would not want to lose you at all. And it's, you have to challenge your own fear of, am I willing to lose him? Possibly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really it. And only you can determine that and know whether or not you would be willing to do uh, the work that it entails to make this happen in a way with the best possible uh, outcome, results, meaning marriage. Because with somebody this long, like I said, in other words, if it were a year, 
I'd be saying to you, mm, because of his finances, um, I don't know whether this is going to be the right timing. But life is life, and it's, he's, you've seen the ups and downs with him, right? The oh, good totally. times of working, the not so good times of working, the changes of career, the back to the career, everything in between. If he doesn't trust you now, it's never going. No, not at all. Yep. And, and he and, seems well, to, but like you said, it doesn't really matter until he makes that formal commitment. Right. And it's now going to be how you lead him to that and how you show, you know, I am a worthy opponent. I've shown you to be a worthy opponent. And now I'm going to act on being a worthy opponent. It's kind of like, it will be time for me. It's kind of like, um, if Steph Curry had been playing only on teams with LeBron James, right? Kind of like Kevin Love. I don't know if you know basketball at all, but Kevin Love is a very, very talented player, but he only plays um, second fiddle to LeBron James and he has forever. He never quite steps out on his own. And he never goes anywhere else to show I could be a star, right? Yeah. And it's that, that's the idea, is that when you're the LeBron, the guy, and knows that there's a Kevin Love right there, yeah, you go, all right, I got my Kevin Love. But it's not, it's, he may think very differently of Kevin if Kevin says, I'm not going to play under you anymore, I'm going to go. I'm going to go find my team. Uh-huh. That's, I'm going to be the star. I'm going to show you I'm a worthy opponent. Uh-huh. That's what men need in their, in their male mind, so to speak. Oh, so completely. it's almost always up to us to direct the relationship and where it's going to go. I totally agree. So that's, that's pretty much where we are. And I, I think that was a, a very interesting conversation and we might have to follow up with you to see what you decide to do because it's really, yeah, I, really cool. I just don't know what to do, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? And I mean, I, I have some options as far as living situations go. Um, you know, my parents, you know, opened up, there, you know, they said that I could move in with them at any time. Um, mm-hmm. My brother, you know, has a house that was given to both of us, but he and his family are living in there mm-hmm. um, with their baby. So that's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I could I could move out into a different place. Um, but it is expensive out here. And um, I don't, you know, I, I'm you know, financially, my current situation is great, but I might have to forfeit that in order to see what would happen. Um, right, because with, sometimes you have to be willing to lose to be to be willing to um, to be willing to gain. And I'm hearing in this situation that it that may be where you are, but yeah. we can certainly. Uh, talk about that you and I, because again, we just we just got to know each other on this call, and we can talk more about um, what I might might recommend for you after this call is over. But um, for anybody in this situation, hopefully, uh, you've gotten some 
ideas about how it is for the man in this situation because the man will go on consuming you for as long um, as possible without making any kinds of changes because of they're not the mechanic. So in other words, um, right now, uh, Mike sees that the car is running. It might have a few pings, and he knows it might be on its maybe some last legs or whatever, but it's okay. It looks fine. It's running, and it may not be the absolute, you know, uh, Mercedes or Lexus or whatever, you know, Jaguar that he's maybe hoping to have, but it's good enough and it's going. So why rock the boat? Right. Exactly. Right? exactly. That's how he views it. And so, um, but you're saying, no, you know, uh, by you're saying, no, I need to reevaluate because if I don't make these changes, which is the woman needs to be the mechanic of the relationship, nothing will occur. Mm, it exactly. will just, it will just go on its, you know, merry way until finally it just conks out on the side of the road from not getting the right, uh, right uh, servicing along the way and, you know, just conking out because it hasn't been serviced along the way. And you don't want that. Not at all. Because that's, that's the way you lose the great car that you have because you just don't service it in a way that's going to allow it to go in the lifetime journey. And that's what my GPS program is about, that the groom positioning system. It really is about getting women to marriage, which is the way the man bonds, takes responsibility, and bonds to that marriage so that he doesn't leave the team. And that's when he can really shine as the quote-unquote player on his team that he sees himself as being the real star in that. And he could be the star for his, for his woman in his life, and it, especially if there are children involved. And that's why it's very helpful for us to be the mechanic, to get the car and stay on the road by servicing it in a way uh, that only we can do. And that's really what it's all about. So I thank you so much for today. Stephanie's been a fantastic, um, really kind of, you know, opens up the discussion and we'll have many more on this podcast about it. So if you uh, like these podcasts and you like listening to these conversations, um, please subscribe, share. And if you know any woman um, struggling, maybe it's yourself that wants to have a talk on this podcast, I welcome that as well. So thanks again, Stephanie. Thank you to everyone else. And talk to you next time. If you've benefited from today's conversation, please subscribe and share. Connect with Coach Paula at makehimwonder.com. There you can take several relationship evaluations, discover her books and other resources, and find out if one of her personalized coaching programs might be right for you. Thanks for listening to Make Him Wonder.